All right, Heather. A, B, C, D, or E. I honestly feel like we haven't done B in a while. So I'm going to pick B. Oh, man, that's a random song. Yeah. All right, Heather. What random song have I been thinking about lately? What what song's been an earworm to me, if you will? I'm just going to guess um, Lizzo, About Damn Time. I think that would be a pretty catchy one. It's been, it's been in my head. I know that much. You know, for as much as I am on TikTok, that would be a good guess, but it is not, it is not accurate. Uh, Justin, what about you? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe something by Little Nas X. I don't know. I know you kind of like his music. That's also not a bad guess. Um, cause it is in the more current music type of situation, but no, that is inaccurate too. Uh, I would have accepted any answer from Olivia Rodrigo Sour because I've been listening to that fairly on repeat lately. But more specifically, the song would be Brutal off that album, which is uh, the first track. Love that song. I Tell me why I literally almost said Olivia Rodrigo. I didn't know the specific song, but something told me that that would still be a good guess because I know you like her music. Well, you should have guessed it then. But you can't go wrong with Lizzo. Every song she has is pretty catchy. Well, you can go wrong with Lizzo if you're trying to guess exactly what's stuck in my head right now. So. Oh, man. Just saying, you can go wrong because you were. (laughs) I'm just saying, I think it was a pretty good guess. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. See, if like, and if we had seen, and this is how much it changes. If you had asked me this last week, I actually would have done uh, Pink Rover by Scene Queen. That's another TikTok special. She, uh, she does a, uh, like heavy, like, it's like heavy metal mixed with like pop themes type of stuff. Mm. Yeah. That sounds cool. It's it's fun. But I also know of her from TikTok. She does a lot of her songs are TikTok sounds. But yes. I would have also accepted okay. that from last week, but nope. No points for either one of you. So now <laughs> now deduct some points. Whoever our video editor is should go and put some like minus ones next to you. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to fucking do that because that's me too. <laughs> Eventually I will. Eventually I'll have that down and I can do some little like little minus ones next to your name and all that shit. But I'm not that fancy yet. So we don't, you don't get that yet. Um, wow. We blew through that very quickly. Huh? Oh, well. What time for 
Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the A24 movie, Men. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. So go to the episode description in, you know, your favorite podcast listening app or on YouTube to see the time codes to allow you to jump around. On YouTube, it's very easy. Just hit the little buttons. And it'll allow you to jump around. And then jump up, jump up and get down. I don't know why I had to do that. Um, see what you did there. Yeah. It just, it felt so right. Anyway, uh, you know, because Men is such an amazing movie, mansplaining the threat of men to women... Uh, Justin, go ahead and tell Heather what Min's about, or your spoiler-free thoughts about it. <laughs> that so looked like you were gonna go to Heather and tell her to, to explain how they mansplained, but then you went to me, and I just didn't expect that. That was unexpected. Um, yeah, because you have to mansplain her like, to why she should be scared of men. <laughs> Well, let's start with the man who directed this, um, <laughs> Alex Garland. Like, I'm a I'm a fan of his. You know, I really liked Ex Machina. I thought that that was like a really good movie. Um, so like going into this, and he's done some other movies that you know that 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 I don't think are bad either. You know, but but Ex Machina is one that really just. That's the one that sort of just stands out to me. I like, I really, really like that movie a lot. So going into this and it being A24, like, you know, I really expected that I knew kind of that what this was going to probably be. I knew that it was probably going to have some crazy memorable, sorry, can't talk today, visuals and I expected there to be this, you know, what you're seeing literally on the screen is something, but I also expected there to be this kind of message about it all. And there would be these hidden meanings and things like that. And I, I knew that at the very least, it would be a good talking piece. Like I, I just felt like just from what I had seen from the previews and stuff like that, I thought that this would definitely be something that invokes conversation. And I think out of the three of us, I'm probably the one who leans more towards movies like that. You know, I'm, I like kind of those art housey kind of metaphoric storytelling movies. I tend to be the one that leans towards those, you know, like, um, power of the dog, you know, um, parasite, you know, I, I, of the three, I feel like when it comes to movies that are like heavy on that stuff, I tend to be the one that kind of leans towards those. So, and this movie kind of has me in a weird place because I feel like I really like like two thirds of it. But, you know, but I think it's pretty much required from most movies that you have to stick the landing and I just don't think that this one did that. Um, it, I, I feel like as it's 
weaving the the narrative and it's telling the story and everything like that. I was intrigued. You know, I wanted to know what was happening. I wanted to know kind of where the story was going. I was getting some of the messages and I was, you know, I was very intrigued by where it was going. And then I felt like once it got to the end, it it was kind of one of those movies where it just, the tone switch and what it kind of becomes at the end was very jarring. Um, so that just kind of affected my overall enjoyment of this. But as a movie, and that's more about like the narrative structure, but as a movie, um, the acting performances are good. You know, the acting performances are good. It does a fairly good job of building tension. There are some great shots in the film. Um, there's some beautiful scenery and all the scenery kind of lends itself to the narrative, or at least I think, you know, I, I know that there are several different interpretations of this movie, but I think for what we were watching and the shots that we were getting and the different things he does with silence and sound and things like that, I, I feel like for the most part, it, it was well shot. You know, the, the shooting did help the narrative in this case. Um, and I guess really non-spoilery, that's about all I can say for now. So I guess really when I, I, I think it's more of a mixed bag for me. There are things that I really liked about it and the message I think is a good message, but I just don't know if we quite got where we needed to get because of some of the narrative choices that we made at the end of the film. So I think that's the best thing I can say about it. Like um, very art housey, very metaphoric in things that are happening versus what these things represent. Um, there's definitely some good acting, but, uh, but ultimately I think this movie is made or broken on how you felt at the end and how you sort of interpret the story at the end. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm sitting. All right, Heather, let me tell you how I feel about men. <laughs> I kind of agree with Justin. I think that, the first two thirds are the better part of the movie. But I will say, I would argue that the last third is so bad that it corrupts the first two thirds. Like, I, I thought, see that. I thought it was actually going very well. The movie does feel, and that's why I'm keeping this joke going, this movie does feel like a man explaining to a woman why she should be afraid of men. It doesn't quite feel 100% like it's being told from the point of view of a woman. It feels like a man's telling, you know, women how to feel about it. it and, you know, that's at least how I felt watching it. It just, it felt a little bit inauthentic at the, at the you know, from the beginning and stuff. And I thought the acting performances were, were fairly good. I mean, there's... It's hard to say there's like five people in the entire movie. You know, one guy plays like 14 characters or whatever. And that was a nice concept. I liked that concept. It's just once again, you get to the end of the movie, that fucks it up too. It ruins that aspect of the movie. It, 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 so much of this movie is ruined by the fucking end of it. And I, 
honestly, I don't care what the message was meant to be or any of that shit because I don't think ultimately the message is completely in the movie. Two thirds of the message is. And then it's just done. It just, it does not stick the landing at all, but in one of the most atrocious ways ever. It's like if a gymnast is giving a, like, you know, a a really solid performance and then goes for the landing and just breaks the entire lower half of their body and they can never compete in a competition again. You wouldn't remember shit about the first two thirds of their performance. All you would remember is that's the one that ruined their career. And I'm not saying that this movie is going to ruin Alex Garland's career or anything like that. Because the guy has shown he's a capable director. Uh, Annihilation's a really good movie. Uh, Ex Machina is an utterly fantastic movie. Ex Machina is probably one of my top movies of the last 10 years, easy. You know, Ex Machina is kind of why I started paying attention to A24. Also kind of why I started paying attention to fucking Dom Hall Gleason and Oscar Isaac. But this movie, oh, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. This movie, weirdly enough, about trying to slightly be about, like, female empowerment and, you know, about toxic masculinity and all these things. This movie, weirdly, does not pass the Bechdel test. Anybody that doesn't know what the Bechdel test is, it's when you have two lead or two main female characters having a conversation that has nothing to do with the relationship or men. If your movie has at least one conversation that does not involve that, you technically pass the Bechdel test. This movie doesn't. So a movie that's supposed to be about what it is and it can't even pass the fucking Bechdel test? It's kind of sad. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, every conversation she has with her best friend ultimately goes back to a man or a relationship or something like that. Every single conversation they have. Yeah, because even like when she's showing her the house or talking about it, it's like, oh, there's this man or, you know, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they're either referencing to the man that scared her in the woods or the guy that she's renting the house from or her ex-husband. Every single conversation ultimately goes back to that. And it's kind of sad. Which is another reason why I think if a woman wrote or directed or even fucking helped produce this movie, it would have worked better. It would have added some more authenticity to it. It just, it doesn't really succeed. And while it's going fairly well for the first two thirds in the movie, when you get to that last third, it's so mind numbingly, stupidly bad. Now, I don't give a fuck about the rest of it. I stopped giving a fuck about the acting performance. I stopped giving a fuck about great shots. I stopped giving a fuck about nuanced performances or any of that bullshit. Because this movie says, fuck everything I did. Here's some crazy shit. It fucks up my meaning. It fucks up the performances. It fucks up my movie. But here you go. Some fucked up crazy shit. 
I don't, I don't enjoy that. So. All right, Heather, have we explained this enough to you now? Yeah, thank you. Really glad to have gotten that. All right, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I'm very much in the same boat as both of you are with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, Justin, you you made a good point about how jarring it is, and I think that is really kind of the off-putting section of the movie or just the off-putting thing about the story in general because of how quickly it turns around into something else. Um, you know, it... <laughs> I think it, it, I, it reminds me a little bit of the movie X that we recently did, um, another A24 film, because of like just this first, you know, section of the movie is so good and so well done, you know, telling a, a compelling story with compelling characters. And then, you know, the last half or the last, you know, however long of the movie, three-fourths of it through, um, it just becomes something completely different. And I feel like that's sort of what this movie did as well. So, um, but I mean, and that's not to say I didn't like X. And I mean, I don't hate this movie. I just think that their execution of it, it didn't drive home what it felt like they were trying to drive home about it as well as they thought they did. Um, But again, it does feel like there's just pieces missing as far as what, what exactly are you trying to say with this movie? There's lots of ideas and thoughts about what that is, but I still don't know if I left the movie fully knowing what they were trying to say with this movie. And I think that's sort of the downfall of it for me. I do think the acting performances were really good. Uh, Rory Kinnear, who played all the men, (laughs) he is really great in it. I mean, he's a really good actor, but I mean, just, yeah, the way that he played each of these characters in a very different but equally um haunting type of way is really good um the harper the the lady who plays harper the main character she did a great job and it does have some very beautiful shots beautiful beautiful scenery beautiful cinematography all of it is so really great but um yeah i feel like i i really want it i i think they we're getting somewhere good during that, you know, the last maybe quarter of this movie, they were getting somewhere and then they just kind of went downhill with it <laughs> and they never really, yeah, they just never really drove home in a way that actually hits you what they were doing. And then they just kind of threw it away for the sake of the art of what they were trying to do, I think. Um and it just kind of ruined me enjoying it as much as I wanted to, if that makes sense. But I mean, it, I do agree that the idea of, you know, the one person playing all the men, I do think that was a really interesting idea. And when I saw the trailer for it, that was one of the parts of that. I was like, I want to see how they're going to do this. Like what's going to happen with this aspect of the movie And while it was fine, I actually feel like there are different ways they could have executed that as well that might have been a little bit better Um, or maybe just my preference of it. But I I think I saw that going a different direction than how it went. So, um, which I'm sure we could talk about in the spoilers. But 
but I do like that concept. I think that was creative. I think that was original and I liked that. Um, but yeah, I think it, it kind of was a little bit more surface level with some things than I would have liked that I thought were going to pay off better in the end and they didn't. Um, so it was, the movie was okay. It definitely isn't my least favorite A24 film, but it's not my favorite. Kind of sits right in the middle there for me, probably. Um, but it's fine. Like, I, I think I liked and appreciated the idea of what they wanted to do more than I appreciated the movie itself, if that makes sense. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. All right, Heather, you can go first this time. <laughs> Thank you. That's so generous of you. Um, <laughs> I feel like Alex Garland right now. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I like I said, I do, I do think they had some aspects of it that were pretty good. Good acting, uh, beautifully shot. Um, the story itself and how it unfolds is what lacks for me. So I, hmm, I, I think I can't really recommend this movie to everybody because there is a lot of um you know maybe i would say body horror elements that some people might be a little bit off put by um and you really do kind of need to like these art house type of movies i think to enjoy this one um so if you do like those types of movies um if you lean in jason's court with that for the most part <laughs> i would say yeah this is a movie that you might want to check out and see what you think about it I think it leaves a lot open to interpretation, but I don't know if they meant for it to be that way. That's the thing about this movie is like, it has a bunch of different ways that you could look at it, but I don't know if that's what they meant to do with it. It wasn't clear on that piece. So that's why I'm, I'm I don't think it's the greatest movie as a whole. Um, but I will give it. Um, I'll give it 60 dark caves where you can hear your echoes out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, if you're somebody who likes kind of that, that art house style and you, you're a person who kind of likes movies like this and kind of the conversations they invoke and stuff like that, then I think that a person like that will have fun picking this apart and trying to figure out what does this mean? What does that mean? What what did it mean at the end? Different things like that. You know, they might look past the jarring effect of it all and just be more wrapped into, well, what was the director trying to say? And I think if you're that kind of person, you know, regardless of what's on the screen, you're just more about what does it really mean type of person. And there are movie watchers that that are just 100% like that. They will probably like this. You know, if you're one of those types of people, this definitely is a, a movie that I could see you liking just because it's it, it'll be fun for you to talk about with people like you after, afterwards. Um, and, and like I said, I don't think it's a bad film. It's not poorly. It's, it's kind of hard to just say, no, don't see it at all. It's not poorly made. It, it's not poorly acted. 
um, it does have a message, which is sometimes more than I could say for some, for a lot of movies. Um, and for the most part, it does execute. So I can't, I, I, I can't just with the integrity and in the way that I judge movies, I can't say that it's a bad film, but, but I do say that I just wish they had made some better decisions um, at the end, but it's not a bad movie. Um, but, but I think if you're more of a casual, you know, like I know just from the people that I watched it with, because there were several, because there were several people in there when I watched the movie and man, there were so many of them that got up and were like, man, this is stupid. What was that? I don't know what this is. I don't know what that meant. I heard a lot of that, like, as I was walking out. So I think that that's fair to say. Like, I do think that you have to be a certain kind of movie watcher to, like, really like this. But I think that a lot of people might fall on the side of, whoa, what was that at the end? And it'll be a lot like Sterling's reaction. What happens at the end is so memorable and, like, in your face and, like, bam, you know, that... I think there will be a there there might be a lot of moviegoers who won't be able to look past that and go, okay, what were we really trying to say after that scene? And once we describe the scene, you'll see what I'm talking about. It is a hard scene to look past, <laughs> you know, or I guess the ending sequence, if you will. But but overall, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think I can, I think it did enough right to not be a bad movie. So I can just recommend it on the strength of it's more good than bad. Yeah, I guess that's the best way to say it. I, I think overall, the sum of its parts, it's more good than bad. Uh, so with that being said, yeah, we'll go, um, we'll go 65 forbidden fruit, apple trees with a whole lot of apples suddenly out of nowhere. Out of a hundred. Fuck no, I don't recommend this movie. Out your damn mind if you think I'm going to recommend this movie. Fuck this movie. I get what you guys are saying, but to me, the ending is so bad. Is so bad. It misses the point so egregiously. That it goes from being a watchable movie to a fuck this movie real fucking fast. Just real fast. And I get what, like, I get what you're talking about, Justin. You want to have conversations after movies. And the first two thirds of this movie is a movie that leads to potential conversations about themes and, and, and ideas and all kinds of stuff. But what ends up happening after you watch this movie? Every conversation becomes, what the fuck was that ending? What the fuck was happening? What the fuck did it mean? How the fuck did it mean anything? It just, that that dominates the conversation. I mean, I just, I don't see the point of, of, of a movie that's supposed to invoke conversations and then you ruin it. 
because that becomes the conversation point. And it makes no fucking sense. And I just, I don't see the point of, of trying to tell people to watch that movie. Unless you want to see a movie that has the most bonkers ass ending of a fucking movie ever. Watch this. Because you can honestly watch the ending of this movie and it won't spoil anything of the rest of the movie for you because it's so fucking detached from the rest of the movie. It's like this movie is two different movies that just contains all the same characters. The first two thirds of this movie is one movie and then they use the second, the same characters for the last two thirds or the last two thirds really, the last one third of the movie and it's just a different fucking movie. They're not connected. They just take place in the same thing and have the same characters. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't see the point. Um, anyway, uh, what's it called? Recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yes. Spoilers. Or, that's what I meant. Spoilers. Fuck, I don't even Spoilers. know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Spoilers. I knew what you meant, and it didn't even, yeah, didn't even register that it was wrong, so. I didn't even give yeah, the movie. Same for me, I was like, I just I just heard spoilers, even though you didn't say it. Like, uh, I didn't even give the movie a score. I meant, to, I, this isn't a movie of what it did. I didn't intentionally not give this a score, okay? I, I just forgot. Kind of like how this movie forgot to fucking actually end the story. Um, I don't know. 29 things in a movie. I don't fucking know. I kind of ended my score segment of this movie kind of like how it ended itself. Anyway, spoilers. Um, yeah. So let's get to this real quick. Um, so the ending of this movie, I don't know, weirdly devolves from every man in this this town is played by the same guy, but is different characters. Like they don't actually acknowledge that they all look the same. You know, there's two women in this town and they never acknowledge it. So you would have to assume that physically they don't actually all look like the same person. But then at the end of the movie, they are all the same person. Technically. Because there's a scene where somebody gets their hand well, like the lower, I don't know, half of their half arm thing gets cut in their half or cut cut in half vertically like this way. Like it's, it's like this. And then every male character in the movie from that point on has that same wound. So they go from metaphorically being the same to literally being the same, but then technically they've got their own personalities, but they're all physically still the same at that point. And then I don't know this pagan wood God man character. Um, somehow starts giving vaginal birth to another character who then, I don't know, I think that one gives another vaginal birth to another character. And then that one gives like a neck birth to a character, to another man. It's, it's all men. It's all the men throughout the movie. So it's not another character. It's one of the, the previous men. 
who gives like a chest birth to another character that gives, I think a, a mouth birth to another character that then gives another mouth birth into the main character's dead ex-husband. And then she just sits down on the couch with this bloody ex-husband. And then the next scene is like her friend comes and you see the mass destruction from the events that led up to it of like, there's a wrecked car, there's blood all outside the door. And now this woman's just sitting on the steps waiting for a friend. And somehow any of that is supposed to mean a goddamn thing. In what fucking universe is any of that a coherent thing? And like, there's some interesting elements in it. Like, you know, once they get all cut up and stuff like that, and then every man becomes the same man. There are some interesting plot points that are brought up at that point. You know, where you have the toxicity of the little boy. Which is that not the weirdest use of that special effect? Putting that man's face on the little boy. Like that was the weirdest of all of them. Yeah, that was super weird. Um, but you know, they, they start with the, the toxicity of him and then in the self-righteous toxicity of like the landlord character and then the random toxicity of the bar characters which I don't know. That was a little weird to me. Um, then you get into the toxicity of the police. And then you get into the toxicity of the vicar. Which of all the toxicities that it was breaking down, that was probably the most compelling. You know, when the vicar is standing there talking about, you know, he views her as like a temptress just because, you know, he thinks she's beautiful. And all those things like... You know, that's a weird take on that, or not a weird take, but I, I thought that that was kind of a poignant part that, you know, just a woman having the idea of sexuality is weaponized against her by a lot of people, especially in religious groups and stuff like that. So I thought, th I thought that that was an interesting point that they were bringing up with that, but it's all kind of diluted by the fact that he's got the weird split hand thing going on and he's like rubbing that on her face for whatever reason. I'm like, I, I don't see the point in that of, of having that wound on everybody. I don't see, I don't know what they were really trying to come across with what that wound was specifically supposed to represent. And then, like I said, it just evolves into weird, grotesque body horror birthing scenes constantly. That to me just feels so out of place and nonsensical that what the fuck does it mean? And I'm sure there's like 27 YouTube videos I could go watch right now that break down the ending of men and explain that that was all a part of a pagan ritual from 1623 in this one town of England and blah, blah. Who gives a fuck? Like I've said multiple times on this, I want to have to do fucking homework to understand your movie. Just because one person somewhere randomly understood what the fuck you were trying to say and they made a YouTube video that went to somebody else and they understood it and all kinds of bullshit... Yeah, fuck all that. Actually, uh, end your movie right then. Actually get people to understand what the fuck the ending of your movie was. Because I think he went into this movie as misguided as it may be to have 
a guy write and direct and have nothing but men produce a story about how women should feel men are toxic and stuff like that. It was at least more or less probably done with the right intention. And then you fuck up the story by doing that. You take away the talking points. Anybody I've talked to about this movie, we never sat there and talked about the meaning of the movie. We talked about how fucking dumb the end is. And how the movie loses its point by going that way at the end. And it hurts itself. I just can't sit there and, 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 and watch or recommend or like movies like this because I think that that's been one of my big problems with a lot of these A24 movies recently. When you look at, what was it, In Fabric or whatever the fuck that movie was called, or The Green Knight. Now, don't get me wrong. Green Knight is better than this. I might not have liked some of the symbolism and the bullshit they were getting into with The Green Knight, but at least it told the story. I might not have liked the ending of the story, but I will say this. It told a complete story. It didn't give up a third of the, you know, with one third left and just say, fuck it. Let's hodgepodge some shit together. You know, let's see if we can make people cringe. The only article I've read about this movie since it came out is apparently, I don't know, in the UK, a lot of people were watching this movie and it got to the scene of the, the birthing monster thing. I don't know. And people just started walking out because they were grossed out. I'm kind of weirded out by these articles recently. I'm talking about people walking out of movies. Because, hey, I didn't see anybody walk out of my movie. Two, it's not that absurdly grotesque that it's not in line with some shit you've probably seen in a, a movie somewhere else. And I'm saying that also because this week I also watched Crimes of the Future, which is the new David Cronenberg movie, who kind of is the godfather of body horror. When you go back and watch uh, him and Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. And they were saying the same thing about that movie. It's not really that gross. There's, there's nothing more grotesque in, in, in that or even in this movie than a Saw movie. There's just as many cringy gore movie, move, like parts in a Saw movie as there is in this. It's So it's not even so absurd that horror movies just aren't on that level anyway. So I don't understand that article. I just wanted to bring that up because that was the only article I've read about this movie was that I literally just saw that today. So ironically on the other end of the spectrum, there was actually a person in the theater I was at that um, was definitely asleep and snored super loudly throughout the first like 30 minutes of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had that too. Now that you say that, I remember that too. Really? I had I had just loudly, just loudly, just sawing chains or sawing logs, yeah. like five seats away from me because I always sit in the back, so there was no getting behind me. But he just just four or five <laughs> seats down, and he was yeah. with somebody. He was with the he was with his uh, his uh, woman companion, and she was either asleep and didn't realize he was snoring. 
or she's just like, nah, I'm going to let him, you know, sleep his way through this because at least one of us isn't having to fucking watch this movie right now. <laughs> she pity let him sleep. I don't know. Uh, Heather, what are your spoilery thoughts about this? Well, I mean, yeah, I do think that and sort of something that I alluded to earlier about like liking the concept of the one guy playing all of the men in the movie. I did like it, but I almost kind of thought it was going to be where she was seeing each of them as the same guy and that it was going to be playing into something about how she felt crazy or something like that. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was the direction they were going to take with that concept um i mean it, it, the way they did it was good but um yeah you can definitely tell it was more for the audience sort of than it was for the characters like the audience seeing them being the same man and not so much the characters um but i just think that it could have been kind of a cool thing to put in there to kind of build on her character and her you know like just kind of how she views men anyway uh, I think they could have done something with that idea if they were going to do like one man playing the, like all these different characters. So I honestly thought that's what they were planning to do with this movie. Um, in either case, I mean, it was still an interesting concept to do for sure. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, there was a couple of different like things that um, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's necessarily what they were like trying to say or what, but there were a couple of different things in there that like came to mind for me, like especially that scene you were talking about, Sterling, where um, the vicar is, you know, talking to her and basically explaining, you know, how he views her and all these things. Like part of it is like the idea, like the power that women have over men, you know what I mean? And that's sort of what, I was gathering at least from the vicar's conversation with her about, you know, how he was feeling and, and also just kind of that idea of like, I don't know. He, it seemed like in his conversation, he was, he decided what, how he wanted her to be. He decided this is how I'm going to view you. So that's what you are, you know? And so that was an interesting thing to say in that situation. But I think that, you know, it's kind of speaking to that whole idea of, you know, the guy's going to decide what he wants about a woman and that's how he's going to treat her and view her. And I think that that was, that's what I got from his conversation. Again, I don't know if that's what it was trying to say, but that's what stuck out to me as far as what I thought he was trying to say. But also even the idea in general, like just the actions of the different men that she is in contact with or that she encounters throughout this movie it's almost that idea of um, like basically all of them are sort of blaming her for their actions. Even if you think about her ex-husband and like, you know, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. And, you know, like basically the ma manipulation, like emotionally and all these things. And even the kid who was like, well, you're just a bitch because you won't play hide and seek with me or, you know, just... Or the vicar who's like, well, obviously you did something to make your husband do that. 
you know, like all of these things where they are basically blaming the woman for their own actions. So I thought that was an interesting concept as well. Um, But I feel like they could have gone somewhere else with that or expounded on that in this movie. But then kind of like what you said, Sterling, they just decided to throw it all out the window for the sake of this weird ending they wanted to do with it. But I also kind of in those moments too, when you see that, you know, the men, they keep coming after her in this house and the men are giving birth to the other versions of the man. I don't know. I feel like maybe partially what they're trying to say is that basically all men essentially are the same um, in how they treat women in some form or fashion. So I don't know if that's what that he was trying to say with this movie, but that was kind of the vibe I got from it because I'm like trying to understand what is meant by, you know, the rebirth of the other men from the other men. And so I'm trying to figure out what that meant. And that's the best that I could think of was, you know, yeah, they're, she's seeing them all differently and they're all technically different people, but they are all treating her exactly the same. Therefore, all of these men, all of these characters are exactly the same. Um, which is also an interesting concept, except I just don't think they executed it the best way that they could have, you know, um, because that would have been a super interesting thing to have a little bit more dialogue about with her and some of these other characters um, or just anything, you know, but um, yeah. And then I also just wasn't sure either because the, at the very end, like Sterling said, where, the very last man to be birthed was her ex-husband who just sat on his couch and he's like, you know, this is the pain that I had to suffer because of you kind of thing. Or this is what I went through. You know, it's saying like, you know, his hand was impaled and he broke his ankle and all the things that the men were suffering from as they were being rebirthed every time is what her husband essentially like what happened to him when he died. Right. So I just didn't really quite understand where that came into play and what they were trying to say at the end with that part of it. Um, Especially because of her just sitting there like, yeah, okay. Just listening to it, you know, after she just defeated all these other men and then he sits next to her and it's almost like she had nothing to say. Um, So I, I just wasn't quite sure what was meant by that piece of the story. Um, So I feel like there were like different pieces of really good ideas and, subcontext in there that they could have really that could have made this movie really good you know but they just kind of fell flat with the execution at the latter half of it and so it felt like all of it was meaningless in a way um which is unfortunate because those are some really interesting concepts to go off of you know um so yeah i don't know i mean i'm sure i'll have a little bit more to say later but that was just my initial thoughts about it. Justin, what about you? Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that some of what you guys are saying is definitely on point. Um, um, I guess really to talk about like the the different interpretations of it, and I know that in a couple of like director interviews and everything, he said that he wanted 
people to come up with their own interpretations of what they think happened and stuff like that. He said that, um, which is fine. But see, there, but the double-edged sword of that is, is that, like, but what were you trying to say? Is Was the goal just to have different interpretations and, it, and everybody is right? Or was there something... You're you were you were actually trying to hit at. Yep. And yeah. you know, so I, I get the idea that yes, I want to leave it open to interpretation and different things like that, because that's what invokes the conversation. And essentially you can have something where somebody just thinks that what they saw is stupid. Another person could think that it was explaining that all men are the same. Another person could think that these are all sort of, though all of the men represented characteristics that the husband, that the ex-husband had. And that's sort of why at the end it winds up being him. And he's saying, I just wanted your love. The whole thing about the love manipulation and things like that, it all comes back to him, which is why they all have the same wounds, blah, 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 the same man. And then he wound up ultimately being the man Mm. but who's who's right so i mean if he wanted multiple interpretations i guess everybody's right you know um i just my problem with it is is you can also interpret the ending of the movie as that it is her fault you know because going through all this stuff you know everybody's blaming her all this other stuff. And it just ends with her sitting on a couch with her ex-husband. And he's like, all this was because I just wanted to love you and you wouldn't let me and all this shit. And then the next scene is just her outside waiting for a friend. You can argue that they're saying that she just accepted that is true at that point. Like she was fighting, you know, the idea that it wasn't her fault or she was fighting for the idea that it wasn't her fault. And then at the end, just accepts it. And that's when it stops being a problem. Recommendation. Sorry. And score. That was um, my cat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I totally get that. Like, did she at the end, was that her accepting that what he's saying is true and that all of them are right? Or was it her accepting the truth of this was just all manipulation? You know, it was never my fault. It was never, it was at her accepting the truth of that that this isn't love, you know, like (laughs) loving, you know, you just wanted my love. Loving is not abusing me. Loving is not hitting me in the face. Loving is not threatening to commit suicide. Loving is not being like you are um, a bitch for not giving me attention loving is not dismissing me when I have, you know, when I said that there was an intruder and then you let the guy go. So loving is not, you know, saying that because I'm, you are attracted to me or something like that. It is my fault that you want to rape me. So I don't know. I think it was more that than what you're saying, but I get it, but I get it. The thing is, is that, You don't get anything definitive. You just kind of get her. She hears that. 
And then she just sort of absorbs that and just doesn't respond to him anymore. I mean, I sort part, of now that you as, oh, go ahead. That's not love. You know what I mean? And maybe that was her realization. I mean, and now that you're saying that, Jason, like part of me is wondering, what if this was supposed to be like a journey of her, like dealing with her unresolved trauma from what happened? You know what I mean? It was. Like, yeah. That's what I, so I didn't I think, think about. That's what it was. Yeah. I think you're totally right on that. Like, like when I think about this whole story, like even when you go back to the beginning and the whole thing with the apple tree and the whole Adam and Eve thing, and you know, our, um, you know, our, 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 our male character goes, uh oh, the forbidden fruit and all of that kind of stuff. Like, I just feel like, you know, all of that is kind of done for reasons. And like, um, for me anyway, like what what was part of that story? Well, well, and, and not to really get into the religious thing of it all. I don't want to really get into that. Is it true? Is it not? Or any of that stuff. But just looking at that story, what was it about? A woman made a mistake and that sort of led to the fall of man. So it seems kind of appropriate that that is in here because some people on some side of it, there might be some people that are like, that might be the first kind of real toxic masculine story. You know, this woman caused the entire <laughs> fall of man. You know, the 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 first person to sin was the female, et cetera, et cetera, right? But there's another thing about it too, though. What was the sin? The sin was, is that when you eat the apple, you you saw the truth. You understood the truth. They, she understood that they were naked or whatever, and they needed to be clothed. All of that good stuff, right? So I think maybe, so, you know, of course, th these are different interpretations, but for me, maybe that's what this was. You know, this was a woman finding out the truth of what, of what happened with her ex and all of that. Should I blame myself? Was this more his fault or was it my fault? The whole questioning of did he commit suicide? Did he fall? You know, there were all of these things. So like you were saying, Heather, earlier when you said that the wounds that they had were the wounds that the husband had, I came back to that too. And so to me, what it was all sort of saying at the end was, is that maybe these guys, these different men that all have the same faces, played by the same actor, all of that stuff, perhaps these are all sort of characteristics that the ex-husband had. They all represent something that happened within that relationship. The blame, the abuse, dismissing her, um, you know, wanting her attention even though she didn't. You know, I don't want this marriage anymore. Oh, well, you're a bitch. You're the bad person because you don't want me in this relationship anymore. So therefore, I need to, I'm going to get rid of myself. And if I choose to do that, it's going to be your fault, you know, forcing you to, to, to be in this marriage. Kind of like that kid was trying to force that hide and seek game, you know? Um, so I feel like at the end, 
you know, when you look past all the birthing and rebirthing and all of that stuff, which I think you're you're kind of on point with that, Heather. I agree with you in that. It was kind of a all men are the same, these men are the same, even though these men are different levels of toxic masculinity. It's almost like we keep breeding the same type of male, right? Like as long as those toxic traits continue to be prevalent, we are you are essentially going to have the same type of male. They're going to abuse women. They're going to dismiss women. They're going to blame women, et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps that's what it was. And it's very fitting to me that at the end, it all comes back to the ex-husband. You know, it all comes back to him with those same wounds he had when he maybe suicided, maybe accidentally fell or whatever. And the whole line about when she was like, what did you want from me? And he was like, your love. Um, maybe in some ways, and you know, and this is just me spitballing just based on what I felt and what I saw. But on one end, love can be used a lot as a manipulation by men. And whether it is using love to try to control a woman, whether it's using love to try to get a woman to do things for them, whatever the case may be, or whether it's just really misplaced love. They think love is trying to force this woman to not get in a divorce. They think that by doing these things or all of these things, they can somehow get the love of a woman. But the truth is, is that none of that was love, right? He said, all I wanted was your love. But if you clearly look at this man's actions through all those flashbacks, we weren't seeing love <laughs> hitting there in the face saying, Duh, you know, don't divorce. You know, I don't care if you want a divorce. I'm going to kill myself if you do it. And I'm going to put that on your conscience. Just everything that he was doing obviously wasn't love. So at the end, it sort of felt like she realized it wasn't like maybe so I'd like to think that it was her realizing the truth in all of this, that no, this is not love. It was just a manipulation. It was just this. It was just that. So I think I got it. You know, I think you're right, Heather, in the whole thing about this being a journey about what she experienced with the ex-husband. Um, the only thing is, is that why did we choose this way to get there? <laughs> Um, I, I just think it takes a person to look past all of that imagery that we got and all of the kind of gross out birthing stuff. You know, you almost just have to overlook that. And maybe that's just easy for me to do. I'm so desensitized when it comes to movies. I've seen all kinds of foreign movies. I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've seen some of the most violent things like in movies. So I've just, you know, I don't think anything is ever going to gross me out in a movie theater. I, I don't think I'm that person that anything, I, I, I really don't know what it would take at this point for me to walk out of something or for me to be disgusted by something or for me to be like, you know, this is such, this is so horrid that I can't focus on what the movie is trying to say or I can't focus on what this might mean. I, I guess I'm just that person. I'm just too desensitized. I don't know. I just, maybe that's just what it is for me.
um, to a certain degree. Well, but I just wish we he had chose a better method, man. Because I, I, I really think what he had was good. I just and, and you know it was and I, this is the last thing I'll say, Stern. I'll let you go. I think the biggest problem is it was such a stark change from what we had. At first, it was kind of like this home invasion thriller type of movie. Like we're going and it's building and you're seeing the flashbacks and the flashbacks with her and the ex-husband were so well acted and you're seeing all this drama and it's building and she's in the forest and all this stuff is happening. A guy's running down the tunnel and you're wondering, oh no, and she runs away from that. And like, it's building, but it's kind of a slow build. It's kind of just building, building the tension. And then the guy the naked man comes and is at the house and all that's kind of happening and it's building and it's got this certain pace to it. And I was really feeling it. But then when it gets to the end, it was just like, surprise, here's dandelion in the, in the mouth. And here's a, a, a super birth. And, and then like, they're all crawling towards her, but they can't really attack at this point. Cause they're kind of being birthed in and then we wind up sitting at a couch and this stuff is sad. And her reaction is just kind of, it, it, it's, it's just very nonchalant. You're just left to just kind of read her face, but there's no reflection. There's no narration. There's nothing after that to kind of show, okay, she got this. You know what I mean? There's really none of that. So I just wish that he had came up with a better way to do that. You know, instead of the birthing thing, why couldn't she have kind of, even if there were like split seconds throughout the movie, where like maybe when she's meeting these men, for a moment they become the husband. Or maybe, or like what if they start talking and for a moment you hear the husband's voice kind of saying something that they, mimicking something that they said. Or she sees him, you know, I, I wish that maybe there was a better way to do this where it could have all culminated at the end. And by the time we see the husband, we get it. And we're like, oh, okay, this is, she's seeing all of the toxic actions of these men are all represented in him. And it's all sort of connected in this way in how like society keeps breeding this toxic male. You know, I just think there was a better way to get to that message. You know, I agree with that, Justin. And I agree that those are all possibilities. Where I'm struggling with it is like, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I think everybody's with you on this though. The whole, the way this movie gets gross out at the end of it is not absurd. Like it's not that much beyond shit we've seen in other movies before. And I think that that's what it's absurd in its concept. It's absurd in, in, in that it's not absurd visually. You know what I mean? Like it's all shit. We've seen grosser shit than that in movies, you know, where it gets absurd is the fact that that's somehow supposed to mean something. And I think the most insulting thing about it though, is the fact of going back to what you were saying before. I wanted people to be able to interpret the ending in their own way. Then why have any of the shit you had? 
what were you, you know what I mean? You're obviously wanting them to interpret something out of that fucking shit. You don't come up with the idea of having men birthing other men. If you don't have some sort of idea with what you want it to be, it seems like a cop out. To me, it feels like he filmed the movie and he thought everybody was going to get what he thought. And then, you know, the ending came out and nobody fucking got it. And now he's sitting there going, well, you know, I left it up for the audience. You know, I didn't really, you know, it sounds like a cop out at that point. You could be right about that. Maybe he didn't get the reaction he thought he would, which is why it's just a, a gross, no pun intended miscalculation, you know, if he would have just found a better way to link that all together. I think one more we talk, the more I feel like I'm liking my idea of how come she couldn't have just heard her husband or saw him in some of these men and what they were doing and their actions or something like that. Like how come, how come that couldn't have been the common thread? You know what I'm saying? Instead of the common thread, we're all birthing each other together and then it's the husband. Yes, that that puts them together, but there are so many other ways you could have put that together. There are so many ways you could have had that common thread. Why choose that way? Oh, no, exactly. That's the part I don't understand. No, yeah, you're exactly right with that. I mean... I think one thing that would have been cool is if, you know, you do the kind of home invasion invasion thing and all that stuff and like have her get one of the guys and like have her fucking knife him right to the chest and all this stuff. And then if you want to get some metaphorical shit into there and all this other stuff, what you did is then you could have the wound that she just stabbed into the guy's chest, like some fingers come out of it and it just start like ripping apart and like her husband crawl out of that guy that she just killed. Yeah, that's true. Instead of having a birthing yeah. chain. You know, if you, especially if you ultimately wanted it to be the husband, have just, have, you know, like have her go through and have the, the wild, I don't know, pagan God guy outside and like she knows the little boys inside and, you know, she's running through the house, different rooms, like the, a different guy appears and she's like shutting doors and slamming, you know, running away from that and all this other stuff. And then ultimately, you know, she's by a window or something and the pagan guy jumps in and grabs her and she knives him. Like I said, knives him in the chest. And then that's when her husband comes out of that guy, you know, something like that. You know, I just don't see the point in trying to gross out your audience at the end of this movie. Cause that's, that's the weird attempt in this. Like why I go as metaphorical as you want. I mean, this movie is literally nothing more than a metaphor considering you have one actor playing every male character in the movie with the exception of one. It's literally just a metaphor. Keep going metaphorical. It's just your metaphors have to land. And you can't try to like weaken your metaphor by grossing out for no reason. There's just no reason to gross out at that point. It serves no purpose. You know, I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, a movie pushing people's limits with comfortability with what they're willing to witness and whether or not to to view it as violence or art and all kinds of stuff. I get that. That's the whole point of David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. I don't think that movie succeeds at it either. 
I think it's just really weird that I've seen two movies that try to do the same thing. I don't think either one succeeds. But there's that argument you can make with Cronenberg's movie, at least. You know? He's he's legitimately trying to push comfortability with what people are willing to accept in all those things. And that's kind of part of the, like the plot of the movie, or you know, the idea, the theme of the movie, is what is like art can it be pushed to those extremes and stuff? I don't see any point in, in trying to gross out in this movie, though. Even the scene where he's getting his hand cut open, like his arm and hand cut open, I don't see the point in lingering on that scene for as long as they did. You know? I just don't see any logical movie-related or theme-related points in going to those extremes in this movie. Because I think whatever point he was trying to make instantly just gets lost because of that in a way that you can't recover. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I I like what you said. Oh, go ahead, Heather. You haven't talked in a while. No, you're good. I was just going to say a question that I had is, um, you know, there is back and forth. I've seen like articles and people talking about did the husband actually jump or did he accidentally fall out of that window? You know, and my thought was that it was an accident, just kind of the way they show it and all of that. But then the point becomes, if it was not on purpose, like he threatened to do, then what is the whole point of this whole, this is because of you, all I wanted was your love. Like the whole idea of why she's tortured by this goes away if he didn't do it on purpose. You know what I mean? So I just, I just don't know what the the purpose of doing the movie in this way is if he did not purposefully fall out the window. You know what I mean? As weak as it may be, I think the way the the story the movie's trying to portray that story is that he's blaming her for the fight. He's blaming her for hitting her. He's blaming her because she kicked him out. So therefore, when he goes to the upstairs neighbor's apartment to try to climb down the balcony to like climb back in their apartment, that's still her fault. Therefore, when she when he falls, that's her fault also. Because he wouldn't have had to go okay. to all those steps if it wasn't for her. Now, because of the way they portray the husband in the movie and the things he would say to her in the movie, the logic would dictate at least to me, that he, she would kind of feel ingrained to believe those things were her fault because of how he would always blame her for those things. Now, I'm not saying it is her fault or that she should feel that way or anything like that, but their relationship was portrayed to where he blamed her for all their problems. Therefore, there might be some self-internalization on her part because it did go to that extreme. And one of the last things he kept telling her was, if you do this, I will kill myself and it will be your fault. So it's kind of the internalization of both of those aspects all at once in that leading to her feeling guilty. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And... And it's just kind of compounded by 
just how those other men were reacting to her. Because like you said yourself, they were all blaming her for something in some sort of way. Like whenever, when one, the kid, the, 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 the child one, when he didn't get attention, she was a bitch, you know, she was the problem. When the, the, the priest, well, why didn't you give him a chance to apologize? I mean, men just hit women sometimes. That just happens. Why didn't you give him <laughs> a, a chance to uh, apologize? And as sad as that might be, I think that there are some men out there, I'm pretty sure of it, know that there are some men out there that actually think that. You know, sometimes you just got to hit a bitch. I mean, <laughs> I've heard men say that. I've heard them, I've heard them say that, you know, um, and, and so I, I almost just feel like what else could this be? I mean, you know, to, to me, it's almost just common sense. Like it, it, would this journey be her finding out that this is her fault or is this a journey of her to come to the realization that it's not and that what her husband was doing the blaming, the the blaming her, the abuse, all of that stuff. That stuff is sort of deep rooted in a societal problem that is toxic masculinity. You know, hence why all these men are the same. Hence why these men, you know, we keep recreating this same toxic male with these tendencies, with these blaming of the women, with this, you know, um, you know, we blamed them for the fall of Adam and we're just continuing to blame them. <laughs> like, it's just a, an ongoing thing. So I, I like to feel that in the end, she realizes that the truth is, this is not love. This is not love. We can't keep blaming them. We can't keep blaming them for the things we keep doing. We can't keep trying to control them, hold them down. That, that was also very telling, too, that scene where before the stabbing of the hand, how the hand came through the mailbox or whatever, the mail door or whatever, the door box, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the mail slot? Comes through. Yeah, the mail slot. <laughs> Sorry. The hand comes through. <laughs> Struggle with that one, didn't I? The, the hand comes through and it's almost like, um, it's almost like a friendly gesture. Like, you know, and she sort of grabs it and it's almost like a loving gesture. Then there was that tug trying to control. You know what I mean? Like that it was almost like a proposal and then trying to, pull her in and trying to control her. And I just feel like that's that in a nutshell is what this is, man. You know, we're, we're trying to control them. And this, and these are the, the methods and the things that we do to sometimes, and it's all just methods of control, but it's not love. We're trying to control. We're trying to dictate. We're trying to, you know, determine what they do, but none of this is love. And she had to realize that, that none of this is her fault. Oh, dude was toxic, you know, but 
man, this movie you know, was toxic. I don't know if we needed the births <laughs> to show that. that. That's the problem. Do we need the births? There are so many other ways you could have, like, conveyed that, I think, without the gross factor of it all. I mean, maybe that was his idea. You know, toxic masculinity is gross. So I'm going to show it this way because it is gross. It is bad. It is grotesque that we just keep producing these this kind of man with our societal values and how we treat women and what we do. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But still, did we have to show it that way? You know? Yeah, that's, I mean, maybe that is what he was trying to do. He failed at it, though. <laughs> yeah, and the audience score for this is bad, bro. Like, I mean, like, the critic score is pretty high, about a 70, which, you know, me, me and Heather gave it close to that score, close to it. We were in the 60s. You know, critics gave it about, landed at about a 70, the audience score has been 20. So clearly there's been a disconnect. Like clearly there's a disconnect of people going, I didn't get it, you know? And that's sometimes the problem with these art house kind of interpretation movies like this is sometimes it's not explained well enough. It, there's not enough done to um, to really explain um the message or it's too interpretive and really we just needed more focus but, but which is funny because there are other people though i've read some other reviews of this film and some people felt like it was on the it it hammered the point too much there are some people that felt like at the end it was just hammering the idea of toxic masculinity too much and they actually said it was too on the nose so that's weird, you know, because we sort of felt like it wasn't interpretive enough. What the fuck about this ending was hammering toxic masculinity too much? I I thought it abandoned toxic masculinity. See, and that's that, and that's that's what's the funny thing about it because he because because the, the review I read or, or I read two reviews and they thought it was too on the nose, like. They were like, uh, it's obvious what you're trying to say here. Did you did you have to be so on the nose with it? Could you have been more subtle? Could you have been more? They thought the whole birthing of the same toxic male was too on the nose. But I didn't feel that way. I think it's the other way. I think it was too gross and too outland and so outlandish that a lot of people are just going to not get it, you know? Well, I, I mean, I would even argue that it's not that people aren't going to get it. It's that you're not saying it at that point. Like that, I think that, that that's my big disconnect with it. That maybe might be the difference between like my interpretation of things and your interpretation of things is that you think you might think that it's, it's a little bit there, but it's overshadowed. Whereas I think it's not there and being disguised as something else. If you will. 
you know. Hmm. And also, I'm just a man of the people. Us, us regular people don't give no fucks about that noise. You, you know, I'm not. And the thing and the sad thing is, is the way a lot of people talk about movies and stuff like like this movie in particular. If you don't end up like if you don't end up liking it or you don't think the ending makes sense or any of that stuff. You know, like pretentious movie fucks will like use that against you. Oh, you just didn't get that because you didn't read this and this and do this and this. It's like, you know, maybe the movie just actually didn't do a good job with it. That's also the other opera, like other side of it. Like, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, Justin, or that Heather's saying it. I'm just saying, like, that's what I end up not liking these movies about, like, even more whenever they, I feel like they fail at getting their message across that it's, it's, it's used as some sort of litmus test or gatekeeping or something. Cause I feel like hereditary and midsummer kind of the same in that regard of they're not really clear. They're very from left field with some stuff and there's, you know, the explanations or the endings are completely muddied and stuff like that. And I think that, it kind of lends to those things because for whatever reason, Midsummer is having like a weird resurgence with people. People are weirdly liking Midsummer now. And I'm just thinking that same shitty fucking movie we saw like two years ago, three years ago. Maybe it's just because Florence Pugh is bigger now. So <laughs> maybe I don't know. I just well to me it's just that you know at the end of the day movies are art like so like this is kind of what makes it all fun at the same time yes it can also be anger inducing sometimes yes that's going to mean that you're not going to get every film yes that means that not every film's going to hit with audiences but that's kind of what the way art is you're not going to get everyone's art you're not going to get everyone's painting you're you're you know two different it's the same thing of two it's the same thing of two different people looking at a painting and one person saying this is stupid and another person saying this is a masterpiece it's it's the same shit man and it's like that with any form of art there's a whole big thing going on in my re- in the in my world, the wrestling world, about what makes a great match, and it and depending on who you ask, <laughs> you know, um, that's going to change. You know what I mean? It, it depended on who you ask, what era they were from, where you know what has been their experience, what kind of wrestling they like. That answer is going to change. And this is kind of the same, man. It's kind of the nature of art. You know what I mean? No, I get that. It's just, just like actual like paintings and stuff like that when it comes to art, though. I feel like movies like this also kind of give an aura of of inflated self-importance. Because the value of a painting, the value of art, is all a bunch of made-up bullshit. Like when it comes to painting, there's no real way to actually say this painting is worth 10 grand. This painting's worth $5. 
This painting's worth, you know, a hundred grand. It's an inflated market where somebody who people say can decide these things does. And then that's what, you know, paintings end up costing. And then part of it's also, what are people willing to pay? If somebody's willing to pay 50,000 for something, then technically you can argue it's worth 50 grand because somebody's willing to pay that. But when it comes to something like this, I feel like you get into the same way of, uh, of the gatekeepery bullshit with some of the stuff. I mean, and I think it's something we've talked about before when we did kind of a critics versus fans type of thing. We broke down Rotten Tomatoes, like big differences between audience scores and, and critic scores and stuff like that. Where I think it's movies like this that always end up disconnecting them. And that's also why people stopped listening to a lot of film critics. You don't really have any more like celebrity film critics anymore. Like when Siskel and Ebert ended and it was Siskel or when it was Ebert and Roper and then Ebert went away. Like even Roper's not a big deal anymore as much. What was that fucking guy? Uh, no, he used to be on the Today Show and stuff. He, uh, oh man. He was in Gremlins too because he was actually friends with the director of Gremlins, but he trashed Gremlins. He and had so that they, whole book of reviews of scores. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? So, so then they that. put him they put him in Gremlins 2 to get killed by Gremlins while he's trashing the first Gremlins movie. Um, which was, I mean, it was cool that he was willing to do that after he fucking t- talked about how he hated the first Gremlins movie. Which also, how did he hate the first Gremlins movie? Um, but like, you know, like those types of film critics, even though he's still around, they're nowhere near as big as they used to be. Or as important as they used to be. And I think it's 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 because of stuff like this. I mean, one of the film critic guys for WGN, uh, he's also like one of the main like host people and of like not their morning show, but like their mid morning show, you know, that like comes in after the morning news, you know, where they have a bunch of the same people and they just like sit around a desk and they talk and it's kind of like the uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda part of it, you know what I mean, where they're just kind of bullshitting more than anything. They kind of go over some stuff. But like, I just remember a few months back whenever he was like sitting there coming out and he's doing his reviews or the movies that are coming out that weekend. And, you know, it was the weekend West Side Story came out. He's talking about how it's got all the magic and and flair and of the original, but it's just got, you know, updated production values and all this other stuff. And I'm like, it kind of just reminded me of when we talked about that movie in that in that episode. It's your atypical Hollywood circle jerk bullshit. And these critics end up fucking loving that shit. You know? And I kind of feel like it's movies like this that are becoming more prevalent and more popular and stuff like that. And you start getting more of those, those gatekeepery bullshit things with it. I mean, it's right up there with, uh, what was that other movie? I can't remember. There's another movie that kind of reminded me of the same thing with the stuff. But it's, it's, oh, it kind of reminds me of fucking Mank. That Mank movie. Because if I'm remembering correctly, none of us really liked that one. I know you liked Freedom Land because we did it in the same episode as Freedom Land. Isn't that Freedom Land? 
don't know. The one with what's his name? Her name, Francis McDonald. Nomad Land. Nomad Land. That's it. Not yeah, Free Nomad Land. Land. Nomad Land. Yeah. yeah. You liked Nomad Land, but you didn't like Mank, right? No, 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 not that much. Yeah. I think I think I thought it was just in the middle. Yeah, and it was average. But it because it was, you know, it's just there's that golden age of Hollywood circle jerk bullshit. Kind of like West Side Story. You know? It's just they fucking love that shit. And I kind of think that like in a way what you would what you've been calling what people call like an art house film. I kind of think that those films are starting to lose their way also in the same regard because I don't feel like they're really pushing anything anymore. To me it just feels like they they try too hard to quote unquote push boundaries without actually pushing anything. Like I don't think this movie actually pushed any boundaries. But I guarantee the director's sitting there thinking after he filmed the that birthing scene and they like it was all cut together, he's like, Yeah. I'm gonna Cutting push edge. Yeah. I'm gonna break people's minds with this. Uh, you know, I'm I, it's it's gonna open so many eyes, it's gonna do this, it's gonna push their boundaries of what they're comfortable with and all this other stuff. It was just it was dumb. It was just dumb. You know, and I, I kind of feel like that that's the way these art house movies, like you were talking about, kind of like that genre, if you will, I kind of feel like it's stuck in that rut of the it feels like they're pushing the boundaries of Hollywood like 30 years ago. If this was in the mid-90s. Sure, doing something like this would have been pushing the boundaries. Um, you know, Power of the Dog, I think, would have been pushing boundaries in the 90s. I don't see those as pushing any boundaries these days. You know? I mean, look at some of the shit that they've done on Amazon's The Boys. And you want to sit there and tell me that this birthing scene's like fucking gonna, you know really push people it's mind-boggling to me and i just don't see anything as pushing that limit anymore and and maybe it's because as a society as a whole we are more desensitized to things things that used to be pushing boundaries are kind of a tuesday now you know, the idea of somebody powerful or something like that being gay. That used to be a boundary-pushing movie. Now it's it's Tuesday. You know, the idea of men birthing other men. I don't know. That's not the craziest thing I've fucking seen on a film. It's not even the craziest thing I've seen in the last fucking week. Arnold had a baby in junior. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think to your point, or or maybe just the boundaries, the, whether you're talking about the definition of boundaries or what the boundaries are exactly have just changed. You know, I think, you know, one thing that can definitely be said about movies is that there are very trending movies go along with whatever the societal trends are. 
that's typically, I think that's fair to say no matter what. Um, I would argue that they follow the trends, but about two years too late. I think they're just a yeah. little bit more reactionary to it. Yeah, they're very, yes, yeah, and definitely sometimes, a lot of the times, their reactions are late, but that's what it is. It's a very reactionary societal medium. So whatever's trending is what you're going to see movies about. Toxic masculinity is trending. It's Pride Month, you know, where, we're, you know, so we're talking about those different topics where we're talking about, you know, the, the whole thing with diversity and all of that kind of stuff, you know, all of these things are kind of trending right now. Um, and women empowerment and stuff like that. These are all things that are trending. And so you are seeing movies that are going to try to address some of those things because you because obviously you're you're probably going to pay and see it because you as an audience care about these things. So we have movies about said things. You know what I mean? Um, and so I just think that it's going to be hit or miss, man. Just like it is with any subject that a movie covers, there are going to be some movies that come out about toxic masculinity and everybody's going to like them and they're going to be great. And people, people are going to rave about them and go, Oh, that was a really good movie about this topic. And then there are going to be movies like this. Eh, not so much, uh, going to be a hit with everybody. And you can say that about any number of subjects that these movies are going to cover. I, I do agree that the boundaries are, I just think the boundaries are different. And, you know, you casting, you coming out with something called Hamilton, and it's a diverse cast of people playing historically white characters. At, the, that, at that time, that was pushing a boundary, you know? Is it uncommon for, you know, for multiracial people to play white characters and stuff? Not not necessarily, but at that time, that was pushing a boundary. You know, that was something big. You know, that that sort of was one of the reasons why Hamilton rose to popularity because it was a kind that was something that was a boundary pushing thing at the time. Now, if you just did that now, it's kind of like what Sterling said. Now that's a Tuesday. So we got to move on to something else. Now, you know. Toxic masculinity is a hotbed topic right now. So I just think you're going to have these different directors try to attack it all these different ways, you know? I agree with that. But the problem is, is when your movies like that are reactionary and not actually progressive, Hamilton works in that regard because it actually did the diverse casting how many years before that was actually a thing before that was actually what people were striving for, you know, that's why I think a movie from a couple of years ago, or maybe it was just last year. I don't even remember a promising young woman that hits that pro uh, toxic masculinity. I think better than this because yeah. it hit at it 
when it wasn't the popular thing. It was going for it because it was going forward. You know what I mean? This tells to me, this tells the toxic masculinity masculinity story from two years ago. Mm. That's why it's a guy that wrote and directed it. Because if you're telling a toxic masculinity story today, you don't have a guy write it. Mm. You know what I mean? That's, I think, the difference between the films that actually work in those regards versus the ones that don't. Is it, are you reactionary or are you pushing forward? Are you looking two, three years down the line and going, this will be an issue then? You know what I mean? Or are you looking at what's an issue now and making it now? Because like you went two, three years ago is what? When you started having the Me Too movement and all of those things. And toxic masculinity did start to be a pressing issue. It's just this is still told and made and everything in the same regard as when it started. It's not the way you do it now. And the thing is, is movies have to adapt to being more progressively made instead of reactionarily made. Because when you've got Facebook and you've got YouTube and you've got TikTok and you've got memes and you've got instant content that is topically relevant to these things, you can't be reactionary anymore. You, you, you have to be progressive. You have to look forward. You, you can't keep doing it this way. That's what keeps you two steps behind. And maybe that's my problem with this movie. Maybe I've seen fucking TikToks that are better made about toxic masculinity because they're told from the perspective of right now and not two, three years ago when Alex Garland probably started writing the script. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a guessing game either way because you are either going to be guessing that maybe if I make this film about this subject, it'll still be relevant and people will still like it and people will still get it and fan audiences will gravitate to it today. Or you are guessing and saying, well, this may not be a hotbed topic now, but I can see us going that way. I can see society is going this way. I can see that we're trending this way. So I'm going to make this now and take the chance on it will be something that people that that will get people thinking or push a boundary or something like that. I think you're kind of guessing either way. Um but that's kind of the nature of movies too. They're just trying to make money any way they can, man. <laughs> so they're just like what 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 is this movie about? They they look at the script and they go, "Okay, what is the audience this is appealing to?" Are these are this is this audience a relevant audience now? Yes, okay, make the movie. You know, the the sometimes they aren't sometimes they are purposely not looking ahead. They are purposely just looking at right now. Or they are purposely looking at, well, it worked two years ago. Let's go ahead and have one now. That's why we get so many reboots and sequels and stuff like that, because they are not looking forward. They are looking backward and going, it worked then, it'll work now. So you kind of have that problem on both sides of the spectrum. 
you know what I mean. You're not wrong on that, Justin. Do you guys remember the fact that there was actually a Ben Hur remake like seven years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody watch it? No. No. <laughs> Do you know what's one movie no one ever asked for a remake of? Ben Hur. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know anybody yeah. under the age of 65 that actually likes that fucking movie. And I, and I mean that forever. I'm talking about when it came out, too. No one under the 60, age of 65 liked it. I'm waiting till I turn 65 to watch it again because I might actually start liking it at that point. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, and then back to the whole art thing, this is another reason why some people argue movies aren't art anymore. It's just a cash grab. They're just producing the same things all the time. It's just the same movies with the same concepts and the same, you know, whatever's trending, they're going to make it and it's not going to be made with any ambition or any kind of sense of passion or anything like that because it's just about how much money we can make. And there are some people that are just pessimistic about it all because that's how they feel when they watch something maybe you know? that's me is that why i, I hate can't all be like... movies pretty much at this point <laughs> like because i'm just maybe that's it maybe i am just insanely pessimistic about the whole idea i mean but i i think that whenever you do get those movies though that look forward to a trend and that they strike those tend to be amazing like everything everywhere all at once yeah somehow hit golden multiverse bullshit right like a couple of months before Doctor Strange came out right around the same time as Spider-Man coming out and you're dealing with Marvel's multiverse and all this shit somehow this random fucking movie comes along and kicks both their fucking asses with the multiverse shit you know like it's 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 fucking crazy but that means two three years ago Somebody just came up with a good fucking idea and they lucked out into it being the most trendy fucking thing in all movie and television right now. Multiverses. They all fucking love it right now. And it just does it better than everybody. You know, that's why I think I think pretty young woman um hits better Promising than this. Young woman. Promising young woman, you're absolutely right. I combine that with the Michael Jackson song. Um <laughs> I think that that's why it hits better than this because that was two years before something like this. And I think that some of these universal themes, I mean, this is America. Do you think these social justice themes are actually going to go away in three years in America? No. We are the slowest exactly. fucking moving country ever. Yep. So we are going to continue to see movies like this. So the you thing know, is, we're going to, yeah, if you have an idea yeah. about toxic masculinity, don't write it from the perspective you're having at the moment. Try to look ahead. Yeah. That's my, that's what I'm mm -hmm. saying. You know, if you've got an idea about, you know, gender equality or sexual orientation equality or just any sort of equality, don't write it from today's headlines. Write what you think the headlines will be in three years. You might be wrong, but like I said, it's America. You're probably going to be right. 
We don't fucking change that much. Yeah, and you yeah. see that happen too. There will be movies that came out that maybe at the time people were like, oh, what is this? This is, ba- this is ass backwards. I don't get it. It's stupid. And then years later, everybody's like, man, that movie was prophetic and how it predicted that this was going to happen and it had, you know, it had an actor, you know, it had a black actor having a president and it had all of this other political intrigue stuff and now it's actually happening. That happens too. You know what I mean? So sometimes trying to look ahead is an enduring trait. And then sometimes it's weird because people are just so fickle. Like they go so back and forth with what they like and don't like and stuff like that. You know, like for all the flack that Marvel gets, it's pretty funny because like on one end, they're doing something completely unprecedented with like how they've telling a whole story in 20 something odd movies is unprecedented. It's never been done before, and and they're the only people to do it. Telling this big story with series and movies and it all linking together to this one intricate story is unprecedented. Like, it's never been done before, but everybody wants to talk about how they're not doing it right. And it's like, what evidence do you have? I feel like you're staring right at me a little too hard, Justin. There's nothing that exists like it. Quit staring so at me funny, like this. It's weird. Look at Heather. Like, even though I, I'm not saying that a person with that opinion is invalid, but at the same time, the truth is, it's never been done before. God, you were fucking. How do we know it's not going to work? What evidence do we have that this is not working? The only evidence we have is that it is. You know, because of all the money that they make. The Marvel movies are trending right now. And that's really the truth. But like. Did you guys try to coordinate an intervention or something? No, because the truth is we are human beings. (laughs) We change. You know, if you catch me on the right mood, (laughs) I may think that this is the greatest thing ever. And then you, but if you catch me on that Tuesday that I'm feeling like I'm my human self, I may think this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, that's sort of the risk, I guess, that every movie runs, you know. So you just got to do what you do, man, and see how this thing plays out, you know. Are you done attacking me now? (laughs) Yeah, in your 30 (laughs) seconds, uh, 30 seconds, yeah, we just coordinated mentally to just like say, listen, intervention time for Sterling. (laughs) I know. I had a little bit of technical bad, issues man. and we had to start recording again. And you just went, man, we are going to attack Sterling and his viewpoints on Marvel right the fuck now. This is the episode. I didn't really mean to, but I guess I landed there. Wait, what, but but you like some of their stuff. You go back and forth no, that's based fair. on what you see. That's fair. You don't hate everything, Sterling. I do. That, that wouldn't be a fair assessment of you. I do, because th- I think it's on a down curve of quality. I do think the old stuff is still good. I think it's on a down curve, and I think, you know, and stuff like that. But at the same time, you, I maybe I'm not as fair as I should be, because you are right. They are doing something that's unprecedented. And maybe this is the lulls that happen. It like was what I see as lulls are the lulls you get for doing something no one's ever done before in the history of fucking movies. You know? Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. And the thing is with that too, it's it's and 
it's not like nobody else has tried. Everyone else has tried to fucking do this. And nobody can get past like four or five movies without it falling apart. Four or five movies. And that's yeah. the best example of it. That's what, the Mission Impossible? Well, okay. I'm not even... No, no that's a series, though. I'm not even talking about yeah. a series. Yeah, I'm talking you're right. About that's a series. This is like universal. A shared give, universe. Yeah, you're right. It is a different animal. Because, yeah. you know, Fast and the Furious, they're, they're at nine. They're going to have 11 movies when it's all said and done. They've got some hits. They've got some misses. But that's still infinitely easier than having nine different movies that only cross over every once in a while. You know, D- DC's tried to do that. They got about four or five movies in and then they abandoned the idea of having a shared universe. You know, they got two movies into the universal dark universe because they did Dracula Untold and The Mummy. And then they abandoned it because there was an Invisible Man project they were doing. There was a Bride of Frankenstein project they were doing. There was a Jekyll and Hyde project they were going to do. They abandoned all of it. Yep. Yep. No one can fucking do this. Like what Marvel's done. I mean, Marvel was so successful with it that Disney's now trying to do that with Star Wars. Somehow, Star Wars is now the second version of this. I mean, you can somewhat argue that Star Wars was a kind of precursor to it because it had the expanded universe that existed in books and comics and video games and it did sure but they weren't all movies in the end it's got what 11 movies it's only got 11 yeah marvel did 11 movies in like its first five years like it was done you know what i mean like marvel's well past that you know so yeah there is that unprecedentedness with it but like when you're going into something like this though i mean i i just feel like they're they're they backtrack like Maybe it is, maybe it is unfair to hold Hollywood to some of these standards and stuff like that because they do have to make money because if they're not making money, what the fuck are they going to spend the money? I get that logic with it, you know, but they do get behind in so many things. I mean, it really is funny. I can't wait. Essentially, I can't wait for all the boomers to get out of the Hollywood executive positions because what did boomers do this last weekend? They went, oh my God, Morbius is trending all over the internet. Let's re-release it into a thousand theaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it made what? $84,000? So it made like essentially like $84 a fucking theater in its re-release. And they're like, but how did it feel? Like everybody's talking about it. Not realizing that they're making fucking fun of it. Yeah. It's not trending because people actually fucking want to watch it. It's trending because they're making fun of the fact it was made. (laughs) And it's not even one of those movies that you're making fun of it being made. So you go hunt it down to watch it. Kind of like how the room had a resurgence because everybody was talking about like, oh, it's it's the best worst movie ever. You know, so everybody wanted to go find a copy of the room. No, nobody fucking wants to watch Morbius. Even the people that have seen it don't want to watch it. Hell no. 
You know, it's, it, it, maybe that's the problem with Hollywood, though. That like it's fucking people that are like sixty-five going, "Oh my god, it's trending on the internet." That means we have to show it. Not realizing things can trend because they're bad. You know? Yeah. And when you don't feel like the person making those these movies, when you feel like you're, when you insult the audience's intelligence, and a lot of movies do do that. You, you're watching it and you're like, does this movie think I'm stupid? Like, am I supposed to like this because some people sat in a room and went, oh, he'll really, you know, they'll really like this because we're going to have these trending topics in it. Sometimes movies feel like that. Like you said, they're just devoid of any creativity. It just feels like marketing more than it does art. And I guess that's just the that's the fight with this man. It's like sometimes you watch movies and it is just strictly you don't feel like there's an ounce of art of artistic flair anywhere in it, you know. And then sometimes it just feels like an ad, or you feel like you're being lied to, or you feel like you're being talked to by some by somebody who thinks they understand you. Just like how you felt about this movie, Sterling. You said it felt like a man who thinks they understand woman, women making this movie. How can you like a film if you feel that way? That's and fair. there are so many movies well, where I have felt the exact same way, you know? Yeah. I mean, and we've talked about it before, Jess. I don't know if it was on a recording or what. Um, but we were, we were talking about something one time and then, you know, Actually, I know exactly what we were talking about. It was before we recorded the the first episode after the Chris Rock Will Smith slap. And it was before we started recording. We're sitting there talking. And we were talking about whether or not we were going to talk about the incident. And we were talking about all these things. And I, you know, I was sitting there and I was talking about the fact that I've never felt like anything could ever be said to me that would ever make me really go. I need to slap somebody for that, or I need to automatically jump to physical violence, you know, in that regard, like outside of like a threat of physical violence. Cause that, you know, that's not, that's like an apples and zebras comparison to, you know, the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, you know, but like a, just an insult to me that could ever make me resort to physical violence. And then as I said that, and I said, well, but at the same time, I was like, I'm pretty sure there are things that might have been said to you that would make you want to do that. And I could never know what that's like. Because there's nothing that can be said to me, a straight white man, that's truly ever that offensive. Like, ever. And there are just tons of things that can be said to you and to Heather that are infinitely more offensive. You know, because there's no word that could be said accurately describing me that anyone would ever feel the need to censor in just normal conversation. There are words, there are words that people would say or probably have said about you that polite society, you know, outside of just normal curse words would feel still feel the need to self-censor. That is very astute, man. I've never thought about it that way, but you are absolutely right. 
that is that is a hundred percent truth you know and so in that regard like it it, it becomes kind of tough with some of these things like I had more of a point going back to what you said and I lost it in the middle of what I was saying. Are you kind of getting to the point of like, maybe that's the problem with films like this? Oh, oh no, no. Like it was, this. yes, it was the fact that I could never tell you how to feel if somebody said one of those words to you though. You know what I mean? I, yes, that's, that was my point. Yes. That I could never tell you that if somebody called you the N word, I could never tell you how to feel about that. I would like to think yes. I could empathize with how you feel, but I could never accurately describe to you how you feel when that's said to you. Just like this movie can't act- accurately depict or demonstrate or show how a woman would feel around toxic masculinity. It might be able to accurately describe toxic masculinity. That's very easy for toxic males to actually show. But it would not be able to show you accurately the woman's point of view of that. And that's why it felt disingenuous in that regard. Thank you for saving my point. Because I was going through and I was like, man, it really tied to a very poignant point and I lost it. So thank you for reminding me of what my point was, Justin. No, and I get some of that. And maybe to support that point, you know, even though, yes, I had my interpretations of this and stuff like that, but maybe because of that point you're making, that is why we chose to have birthing seen and gross out. Maybe that's why we chose to do that instead of really focusing it on no, this is the message I want to hit because it's the message that's important, not the gross way in which we get there, not the shock way in which we get there. The important thing is the message. So I want that to come off the best way that it possibly can. But when you do that kind of message and then you go on an interview and say, well, I just want people to interpret, well, then if you know i just want people to interpret it how they how they may that is disingenuous to the message i don't know i i think i would prefer somebody get up there and go no this is what we meant this is what i wanted you to feel this is what you should have gotten out of this and if you didn't get this i'm very upset because this is the message i was trying to hammer home i hope that people walk away and this is what they get from this because this is a problem I feel. I feel that this is a big problem and I want people to have gotten this. I don't know. Where's I feel like I needed that response more than a take of it what you will. I don't think toxic masculinity is a take of it what you will sort of thing. I think it needs to be stated that it is bad. It is not good. You know, I want everybody to understand that this is some bullshit. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. In in no uncertain terms, do I want my message of that to be clear? Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Heather, have we mansplained this enough for you tonight? Yeah, I I got it. I got it. I got it. But no, it was very good, valid points, though. Do Do you feel less, more, or the same threatened by men after watching this movie? Um, I, I would not say I feel more threatened by men. I think that I would say that it is on par with what toxic masculinity men are like. So it was, you know, not surprising to see those, um, interpretations of toxic men. I see. Do you have any more thoughts, Heather? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Do you have any more thoughts, Justin? No, sorry, Heather. We kind of went off the rails and brought it back, but sorry. No worries. That was a a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it was good, though. I think some of it was good. No, it was. Yeah, no, it was for sure. I always feel like at the end, and maybe we need to change this because I always feel bad because I feel like the end of the episodes. Justin and I get on some tangent that we'll always end up connecting back to it, but we get on a tangent and you're just sitting there for the ride. You're just like, Oh, like, please stop talking. You're like, like, Oh, y'all even talking about right now. (laughs) Sterling and Justin are off on their own thing. They're off on their own bullshit again. Maybe she's used to it by now. (laughs) No, it's, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. I think at one point I was going to say something related to something else, but like, but we wouldn't shut up. Well, (laughs) no, but like, because like there was so much packed into what you were saying that by the time I had my thoughts together on what I was going to say, it was like way beyond that point at that point. (laughs) Maybe. All right. Maybe Justin, maybe that's something we should work on. We need to, do our points in shorter bursts. Like, yeah. And give people a moment to respond. Yeah. Cause we do tend to go long and then go, all right, what do you got to say? You know, maybe we need to like compartmentalize that better. Like stop and be like, okay, what did y'all make the first point and be like, okay, how does everybody feel about that? And then continue on. Yeah, like maybe start bullet pointing things. <laughs> yeah, bullet pointing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. We need, we need help with that. I'm not good at it either. But no, I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you somehow brought Marvel into it, which was really kind of funny for a minute. <laughs> but then I was like, I see what you're saying about it. It was just kind of funny how we got there. Um, but no, it like what you were saying was valid and interesting and it, relates to what we're talking about so no i mean it was actually really really interesting to hear those those perspectives and those thoughts on it so we also need to go like four episodes without talking about marvel at some point (laughs) maybe not the next four episodes because i think we're gonna end up like right up against thor love and thunder at some point (laughs) But I mean, it's going to be harder now because, you know, with the TV series and the movies, they're like back to back shit all the time. But 
At some point, we also need to go four episodes without bringing up Marvel. But it was super, like, it was relevant to what you were saying because, like, talking about how they're doing something that's not been done before in the way that they're doing it and relating it back to this movie was trying to be that and it wasn't. And yeah, so I get why I get how we got there. It was just funny. I don't know. But it's trending, Sterling. We got to talk about it. It's trending. (laughs) One of these days, we'll put an embargo on it. Just say the next three episodes will be 100% Marvel free or your money back, which haha fuckers, you don't pay for it. So you get nothing. Anyway. All right. We done with this movie now. We done with men. Can I forget yeah, about this done. fucking movie finally? Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. I've been holding on yes, to memories of this movie for like three weeks. Just waiting to purge them from my fucking mind. <laughs> oh, anyway. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers podcast. Twitter and Instagram, we're Cinema underscore Slayers. TikTok, we're Cinema Slayers pod. YouTube, search for Cinema Slayers. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, hit the little bell, all that bullshit that everybody says at the end of a YouTube video. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, and tell your family's friends. And most of all, uh, tell your mothers because they like toxic masculinity. Or the other way around, they like movies that are against toxic masculinity, even though this movie is very foggy on whether or not it truly hates it in the end. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. Tell your mothers to watch something. <laughs> Tell them to listen to this episode and not watch the movie. How about that? That's a better endorsement. Tell your mothers to listen to this instead of watch the movie because it's not fucking worth it. Um, And as I was in the TikToks and as I was in these podcasts here and now technically as I was in the YouTube videos, signed YouTube, TikTok and podcasts with this sweet, sweet saying of remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. And so I did that so it wouldn't uh, interrupt. And then I hit the thing to play the song just go because like earlier I was like, oh, I'll remember to move this up. Then I hit the theme song. I was like, why is it silent? Oh, yeah. My bad. I thought of a good way you actually should have ended that with the mother's thing. Mother's love mansplaining. That's what you should have said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn it. See, that's why men should listen to women about women things. Heather knows what mom's like. She's not a mom, but she's closer to a mom than I'll ever be. (laughs) True that. So from now on, Heather, every episode I'm going to go because mom's like it. I'm going to pause and you're going to tell me now what mom's like about that episode. No pressure. 
Yeah, I'm going to do it next week and you're going to completely forget and just sit there. Probably. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see. I'm out. <laughs>